really enjoy uh, singing with you. Did you, did you uh, notice what we sang today? The demons run and flee at the name, King of Majesty. Let me ask you something. Seem like that is true? I don't know about you, but it seems like the demons are having a pretty good time of it right now. Like, I say that, like, kind of half-jokingly, but kind of half-serious. Like, there's so much fear and anger and hate and rage and division in the world right now. You can see that on, on your news feed, but you can also see that all around you. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today, is the gap between what we experience in life, biblical truth, and, and the space between that, okay? So, so if you're like, life seems completely out of control. That's why I experience life. Well, what I read in the Bible is that God has everything in control. <laughs> what do you do with that gap? Something really, really bad happens. Really bad. Something really bad happens. But what I read in the Bible is that God is good and God is in charge. What do you do with that gap? A tragedy strikes. What do you do with God's sovereignty? Sovereignty means God is king. He's completely in charge of everything. What do you do with God's sovereignty when tragedy strikes? It's one thing when that question is a theory. It's another thing when you lose something personally. It's another thing when you lose someone personally. It's another thing when something terrible happens to someone you love. And you're going, this seems totally out of control, but how is God in control? This seems terrifically bad, but somehow God is good. When it's not a fear anymore, and it's, and it's real, and you're living it, what do you do in the gap? What do you do when you're living in the middle? See, this is an important question, because as we talked about last week, if this is what a good relationship looks like, with two people facing each other, and talking to each other. What happens when we experience this gap of this, I'm not experiencing life the way I think I should, based on what I'm reading in the Bible, it, as you live through that gap, what can happen is you can get turned around, and you're, the pain you're experiencing can make you more and more angry with God and make you more and more want to wander away from God and kind of, you can get lost in the loss. Your pain can putrefy into bitterness. You can get turned around and keep moving further and further away from God. This, this is a very real danger if we're not learning to process this pain and process this loss well. So, so this is why we're doing this series on dark clouds, deep mercy. We saw the first week what we do is we 
turn to God. And then what we're talking about this week is, well, let's see. We're in Psalm 10. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Psalm chapter 10. first word we read is, well, what's the first word we read? Why? Well, that's pretty honest, isn't it? That's a good place to start. Why? Have you ever asked that? Come to God with tears in your eyes, going, why? It gets it gets raw. Why, O oh Lord, do you stand far away? Hey, would you read that out loud with me? Would you read that out loud, starting with why? Ready? Why, O oh Lord, do you stand far away? Here I am going through this. We're going to see. The psalmist is really going through it. Really in the gap that we just showed you. Really in the gap. Really going through it. And his question is, why are you so far off? Why don't you come over here and help? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Why don't you read that with me? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? I don't know what it is like at your house, but... Sometimes I feel like every time it's time to clean, there's somebody that has to go to the bathroom really bad, really bad. All of a sudden, it's time, and it's kind of a long, like, and that's kind of, you know, like, come on, man, really? And, and so, like, this kind of like that with God, like, why are you standing so far away, and, and why do you hide when I need you? When it's time to act, why are you hiding? Where do you go? Remember we said the first, the first step in lament is turning to God. This is about, you are turning to God. I mean, he's praying to the Lord. He turns to the Lord. He's, he's in danger of getting turned around, but he turns to the Lord and says what's wrong. He turns to the Lord and tells the Lord how he feels. He turns to the Lord and says, why are you so far away and why are you hiding? And this, this is what we call complaining. You turn to the Lord and say what's wrong. You turn to the Lord and complain. Now, now here's the thing. If you are like me, you grew up hearing stories of the children of Israel and hearing what happened to the children of Israel when the children of Israel complained. There was fire, there was snakes, there was death. And so you better not complain. And I think that's great. The difference is they're complaining about God. See, when you're complaining about God, you're not complaining to God. And so when you're complaining about God, what is the posture of complaining about God? Well, complaining about God is like this. God, 
doesn't provide for us like he should provide for us. God doesn't do for us what he wants us to do, for, you know, what we want him to do for us. God doesn't, God doesn't, God doesn't, and you're telling everyone else what's wrong. Complaining to God is when you tell God what's wrong. You see the difference? Complaining about God is changing the posture and saying, this is what's wrong. Now, if, if you have a friend and they complain about you to all their friends, how does that go? Does that bring you closer together or does that push you farther apart? You know, they're, they're, telling, they're telling your other friends about you, but they're not telling it to you. They're posting cryptic things on social media that they know you'll see. Does that move you closer together? Or does that push you further apart? They're telling their parents about you. They're telling everyone but you. That drives you further apart. The kind of godly complaint I'm talking about is when you turn to God and you say what you need to say. Remember that question from last week? What do you need to turn to God and say? Well, what do you need to turn to God and say? Maybe better, what do you need to turn to God and ask? And for the psalmist, it's, why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Why do you hide yourself? Where, where do you go? Where are you? That's what the psalmist needed to turn to God and ask. What do you need to turn to God and ask? The psalmist goes on to describe the trouble. Okay, so if the first question is, why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? This is the trouble. We're about to read about the trouble. In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. That's like a hunting term. It's like they're predators, and we are the prey. In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not see him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. God is totally irrelevant. I can do whatever I want. His ways prosper at all times. You know, he's getting away with it. Not only are they eating the poor, they're getting away with it, and they're boasting about it, and they're flourishing. His ways prosper at all times. This is not how it's supposed to go. And your judgments are on high, out of his sight. It's like you need to apply them to his life so that he feels them. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He's not afraid of God. He's not afraid of people. He's winning and he's flourishing. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. I'll be fine forever. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. And God, you're hiding. And God, you're a long ways off. And God, you're not doing anything about this. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. In the hiding places, he murders the innocent. 
His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in the thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. And the helpless are crushed and sink down and fall by his might. He's winning and you're hiding. It's turning to God and it's saying, he's winning and you're hiding. Where are you? Why are you so far away? Why do you not see this? He says in his heart, mark this, he says in his heart, God has forgotten. He's not totally consistent. He also says in his heart, there is no God. like a determined atheist but but is insecure in it well watch how he complains god has forgotten he has hidden his face hey what was in verse one what was the psalmist complaining about in verse one why do you hide it's like the psalmist is starting to question his faith He says in his heart, God has forgotten, he has hidden his face, and he will never see it. There will never be any consequences for this. I'm going to do what I want forever and continue to flourish. Do you see? The psalmist, instead of complaining about God, instead of just telling everyone else everything wrong that God is or isn't doing, the psalmist turns to God and says, predators are preying on the weak and you are hiding and a long ways away. Where are you? He turns to God and says, the big are brutalizing the small and are bragging about it. And where are you? He turns to God and says, the wicked are taking from the weak Where are you? This is what it means to complain to God. It means to say to God, what is wrong? This is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm experiencing. This is how I am handling and experiencing reality. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. This is what I see. Do you do this? Do you sit and tell God what you're experiencing? Do you sit and tell God what's wrong? Or do you feel like you're not supposed to do that? Like maybe you'll get in trouble if you do that. Because like there part of you that like, you know, if you'll do that, Probably what God will do is he'll look down at you and said, you know, just, just crush you like a bug if you try to tell him what's wrong. But here's the thing. In relationships, hardships come up. In marriages, hardships come up. 
in friendships, hardships come up. In parent-children relationships, hardships come up. I mean, they do. They're, they're, things get difficult sometimes. And I'm just saying, this, turning away from God and thinking about all the things God is doing wrong or all the things your spouse is doing wrong or all the things your, your kids are doing wrong or all the things your parents are doing wrong or all the things your friends are doing wrong and never actually saying... Here's what's wrong. If you never face it, how, how can you deal with it? This is a step towards the person. This helps you move towards the person. So this helps you move towards God. This helps you trust God. So trust God with what's wrong. Trust God by actually believing he can handle what you have to say. Trust God enough that you don't feel like you have to filter your words to him. Like there are people that can't handle it. There are people that you need to put on a filter before you talk to them. Or you'll, you'll send them for a loop if you don't filter what you say. God is not a fragile person you have to be careful with. You can say it to him. Complain to God by saying what is wrong. This is what the psalmist does for 10 verses, 11 verses. Well, well, 10, 10, 1, he asks this question, and then for the next 10 verses, 2 through 11, he says what is wrong. Then we read in verse 12, Arise, O Lord. Okay, so, so now the, you know, the focus has shifted. It's shifted from the vertical, looking at what's wrong, to looking up and asking God to do something about it. Like, get up. It's time to get up and do something about this. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Like, if God lifts up his hand, what's going to happen when it comes down? What's going to happen to the bad guy when his hand comes down? That's what he's saying. Get up. Lift up your hand. Do something about this. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, You will not call to account? When we all know that God is king and God is keeping score, that God is keeping account, we all know he is. God says he is, so God, do something about this. But you do see, like here's what I know about God. I know that he does see. For you note mischief and vexation. Like you see what's going on. You see how, how the evil are taking from the weak, how the big are taking from the small. You see how people are getting preyed on. You see all of this, so please do something about it. That you may take it into your hands. To you, the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Like, take away all their power. Make them unable to do that. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. See, what the psalmist is doing here is, first, first, he says to God what's wrong. Now, he asks God to act based on biblical truth. And he, like, puts his experience up against biblical truth and and ask God to move based on that biblical truth. I mean, 
that's, that's what's going on there in verse 14. So if you have your Bibles open, look back at verse 14. But you do see. Here's what I know. I know that God does see. I, for a minute, I felt like God was hiding his face, was not keeping score, was a long ways off. I know that's how I felt, but here's what I know is true. I know God sees. I know that he does. For you do see, and you are keeping notes on mischief and vexation. That you're going to take it up in your hands, and you're going to do something about it. That's what I know. To, to the helpless who commits himself, you have been a helper of the fathers. I know, I know, I know that you help the needy when they commit themselves to you. See, here's, here's what you do. Say what's wrong and you compare that or you bring that to what you know is true. So you complain based on what you know is true. So you don't complain to God that he didn't give you a private jet. You know, like, God, I just don't understand why you don't give me a private jet. And I don't understand why I don't have a private island to fly it to. And I don't understand why I don't have a luxury yacht to ride around the island in. And God, I don't understand why I don't have superpowers. Well, like, why not superpowers while we're, while we're at it? See, you don't complain based on just random things that kind of come into your head or that you, that you want or that culture would promise us, but you complain based on God's character and commitments. You complain based on biblical revealed truth. So God, you say you're the king, then be the king and enforce the rules. God, you say you see everything and you're keeping score, then call them to account and do something about it. You complain to God based on biblical truth. You turn to God and say, here's what's wrong. That's the first step. Then the second step, here's what I know is true. So please do something about it. The Lord is king forever and ever. Watch the movement now. Now that, now that we've said what's wrong, now that we've taken the truth of what we know, Watch the movement. Watch what the truths that he affirms about God. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. God is working out his goodwill. He is keeping score after all. Oh Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted? Like, I know this is true. Hey, you remember it wasn't that long ago he was asking questions like, where are you and why can't you hear me and why are you hiding? And here he affirms the truth. You, I know you hear. I know you do. Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. The you wills. Like, I know this is what you'll do. It wasn't that long ago. He's like, why do you stand so far away? Why can't I reach you? Now he's like, this is what I know you're going to do. I know you will. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. I know that you'll do what's right so that the man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. See, this is, this is why you complain to God. You don't complain to God to 
justify yourself to God. So you don't turn to God and say, you're running the universe wrong for these five reasons, and I'd run it right. That's not why you complain to God. You don't complain to God to make your case before him and say, I'm right and you're wrong. That's not why you complain to God. You don't complain to God to just like do this long, angry Facebook vent. You complain to God by saying what's wrong and by affirming biblical truth to move closer to God. The goal is moving closer to God. The goal is, and really what that looks like, is growing to trust God more. You complain to God or you go through the process of lament in order to move closer to God. What else would your goal be? And how else would you do it? This is what the goal has to be for the psalmist. He has to say, I feel like you're far away and hiding because if he doesn't say it, it's like he'll be lying about it or holding it in or, or just not acknowledging it. He has to start out and say, it seems like you're far away and it seems like they're getting away with murder and you're not even looking. He has to say that so that he can move closer to God by removing the dishonesty about what he feels about God. Just saying, saying what's wrong. This is why we lament, this is why we complain to God to move us, to move us closer to God. Now I know, I know this is a stretch because I know that this just seem, this just doesn't seem right. To tell God what's wrong. It just doesn't seem right. But remember that God loves you so much. He wants to be close to you. He wants to be close to you so much that he came himself in the person of Jesus. He wants to be close to you. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. That he came himself. So tell him what's wrong. And he walked among us. He experienced what we experience. He understands our temptations. He understands our pain. He understands He understands all of it. There's not something you can tell him. There's not an emotion you can share with him that he doesn't understand, that he doesn't already know. So remember what's true about him and bring your stuff to him. Remember that there's no sin you can bring him that he can't forgive. That he died on the cross for our sins. That he loves us with dying on the cross love. So so bring your sins, bring your pain, bring your anger to him. He is a forgiving God. Bring your impossible situations to him because he is rising from the dead powerful. And even when you don't know what to say, like when you're like, I I would love to complain to God, but I'm in so much pain, I don't even know what to say. 
I feel so much loss. I'm at a loss for words, and I don't even know what to say. Well, remember. Remember what Romans 8 says. That he shared himself with you in the person of the Holy Spirit. And that even if all you can do is groan, the Holy Spirit will interpret those groans as prayers and will pray for you through those groans. If you can't say what's wrong, at least groan. And he'll pray for you as you groan. And remember, remember that he's coming again. And that he will make all things right. Remember that the world won't be broken forever. The day will come when he will make all things new. Say what's wrong. Affirm the truth. So you can move closer to him. So the first week we talked about the importance of, of turning to God. We talked about the, you know, it's easy to go through life and get turned around. We said, what do you need to turn to God and say? This week we talked about the importance of saying what's wrong and affirming the truth so that we can move closer to him. Now let me just say this one more time because I think this is the spiritual discipline that we just don't do. It's so hard for us to turn to God and say what's wrong. We, I think we just kind of wince when we do it. And especially, I think that's especially true if you grew up in a house that was at least emotionally like this. It was at least emotionally, and, and so you live together, but you never have meaningful conversations. The conversations never really go deeper than who's going to pick up the kids from school or how are we going to, what are we going to have for dinner tonight or how are we going to pay this bill or that bill. The conversations are always surface, surface level because there's this low-grade anger between people. And, and you, you are always like afraid to say, well, that really makes me angry when you don't do that or when you do do that or that really grieves me when you say that or say this or do the, don't do that or do the other so so you don't talk and you don't feel and of course you don't trust you grew up in a house like this it is really hard to believe that God is facing you waiting for you to turn to him and trust him He is facing you, holding out his arms, waiting for you to turn to him and trust him with all of it. Dear Heavenly Father, we know that you are showing up good, dying on the cross loving, rising from the dead powerful. Lord, teach us to turn to you, to share our deepest selves with you. Give us the courage to say what's wrong and trust you with it. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.